Welcome to Fido's Podcast, home of the world's first dog tap house. We are working to provide you a fun, welcoming, and educational social environment that inspires you to adopt homeless dogs. Here is your host, Scott Porter. Welcome to podcast number two. Today we have a great charity interview with Mountain Wave Search and Rescue. Mountain Wave was here on Saturday. This was the second year that this charity has visited, but it's the first time interviewed. This charity brought four special, very highly trained dogs to Fido's for patrons to meet and learn about. Those dogs are Scooch, Nexus, and Ava. They are air scent dogs, trained to smell and track the scent of humans. Nexus is also trained for cadaver scents. The fourth dog is Clara. She is a bloodhound and trained to track one specific scent on the ground or in the air. Patrons who visited will affirm that this was a very special and fun event. They got to drink great beer, eat great food, meet some highly trained dogs, talk to some very special charity volunteers, and on top of all of this, 15% of their purchases were donated to Mountain Wave at the end of the event. We had two incredible demonstrations that people witnessed. Clara tracked an employee through the parking lot just by scent alone. We sent an employee all around the Walmart parking lot and had him sit down in Fido's. Clara followed his trail throughout the parking lot, came back inside the door at Fido's and sat down right next to the employee. And then we also had Nexus and Scooch track me out into the woods. I went into the woods, hid behind a tree, and each of those dogs found me within about 45 seconds. Now, this recording was done on our patio with six to seven Mountain Way people present. We were all crowded around a table, and we had one tape recorder, so I apologize for some of the audio quality issues that you are going to hear. Alright, today we have the pleasure of talking to the crew from Mountain Wave Search and Rescue. Welcome everybody. Hello. And Hello. we have Deborah, Becky, Becky, Mackenzie, Mackenzie, James, James, Scott, Brian, Brian, and Steve, and Trisha. And Trisha. And Nexus and Scooch. And Clara. And Clara. And we've got three dogs here. Clara is a uh, urban certified search and rescue dog. Trailer. Bloodhound. And she tracks scents on the ground. She tracks scents on the ground. On the ground. Okay, like the cartoons. Yep. And Scooch and Nexus are air scent dogs. No. No. Scooch, no. Scooch is an air scent dog. Nexus is cadaver. Correct. Right. Okay. And they pick up scent in the air. Yes. Okay, great. All right, so we've been talking before, but I'm gonna. So we're gonna go back over some information to where. So we've got how many people are actually in Mountain Wave? I mean, it's an all volunteer. 
It's an all-volunteer organization. Correct. Nobody's paid. Nobody's no. paid. All-volunteer nonprofit paid. 501c3 that was started in 1992. It was started in 92. We added and a four-wheel drive team in 2008, added the K9 team in 2014, added a drone team in 2016. Okay. I think you know that pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha does. Trisha is our SAR, is our SAR mom. Yeah, the SAR mom. Okay. She's the heart yep. of the organ. But you guys, you were telling me a story about the Oregon Episcopal School? Tragedy. Yep. Yep. That happened in 86 May. And the president of our group, Russ Kubli, uh, responded to that mission as a paramedic and um, was just in really surprised about how many different agencies were involved in that search. Um, I think there was at least 35 to 40 agencies. They were all on different frequencies. There was no really official certification of major BASR person to be able to go in the field. Um, so you had multiple people looking for these people in whiteout conditions. There's the largest loss of life on Mount Hood. Uh, seven kids, died? Seven kids and two adults. And I think two of the people that did survive, one's a double amputee. But, uh, yeah, it was, it's just, they said, we got to figure a better way to do this. And that's kind of how Mount Wave was formed a few years after that incident. Officially, we were formed in 92, and that incident happened in 86. But also, the regional ground pounder team, our sister uh, SAR team, Pacific Northwest Search and Rescue, was formed. And that's when Steve and I first got involved in Search and Rescue. We got our official certification in May of 92, about the same time Mountain Wave, so we weren't with Mountain Wave at that time. We were with the ground pound team with our four-wheel drive group. Um, and like I said, it was just, it was a really sad situation and they said, we gotta figure out a way to do this better. And that's when Mountain Wave was formed and that's where we started out doing communications. Because everybody goes on a search, you wanna make sure they come back from the search. So we do resource allocation, right? Making sure all the teams in the field make it back. We're able to talk back into town. We're able to talk uh, to the PSAP, you know, so the 911 way. On the same frequencies that law enforcement, fire, forest service, all those guys, we have permission to use their frequencies. Um, it's taken a lot of years and a lot of time to get that respect built up, but we do have that to where we, uh, our president of our group, he'll, he can go and route with the deputies, just you know, like they call and said, you know, this, we're going to this call or something. And Oregon, every state's different, but Oregon, it's the county sheriff's responsible for anybody lost in their county. So generally, if somebody's lost, we get it either the subject Joe said he was going to go hike Ramona Falls this weekend and Joe doesn't come home uh, so Joe's wife calls he said he was going to go hike at Ramona Falls right or Joe's work the next morning Joe didn't show up to work he's always here he said he was going to go hiking at Ramona Falls so we get a call from Joe's family we get a call from Joe's work or Joe's broke his leg he's two miles up a trail and I can't get out so then we also have the rescue aspect of it. We have a climber fall on Mount Hood at Hogsback. We know right where that's at. We know that's a rescue. So depending on what type of call it is, they're generally going to send a road deputy to the call. They go to Ramona Falls. Hey, there's Joe's car. They don't see Joe. So depending on what the subject is doing or was supposedly doing, they're going to call the different resources. So you all need communications for all those. But let's say grandma's walked away from the care facility they're going to call Russ and say, hey, Russ, do you have a tracking trailing dog available to come to the care center? And then basically Russ Becky is the president of our group. Okay. And he's the main contact. So we have a 188 number that people can call or 1866 number. Or 
they call rest directly most people just call rest directly they tell him what agency it is what resources they want from us where starbase is going to be and then we go there so then if it's a tracking trolley dog then Ruster, i might text becky and say or tom our other tracking trolley dog and say are you available to go there's a missing in Multnomah County or something. There's a missing in Clackamas. And then they can, I can go now or I can go later or whatever. And we convey that back to the sheriff's office. somebody lost in their family at one time and they were just amazed at all these people you know dropping what they're doing to come help people they don't know for nothing in return and at a cost i mean it costs us money to do this yeah but you're you're all doing this because of the high rate of pay yeah, exactly. Now double, I'll triple everybody. We get overtime. We get overtime on right. weekends. Yeah, so double time. Your real job is. I was a kindergarten teacher here in Tiger for 17 years, but the last two and a half years I've been out working for Bear Communication, which is playing with radio stuff, is what I do with Mountain Okay, Wave. and Brian. I work in IT at uh, university. Scott. I work for uh, General Tree Service out of Beaverton. Okay, and. Was it James? James? I work. I own a small AAA contracting company. Steve, I work for a fuel company. Mackenzie, um, I do contract graphic design work. All right. I'm a surgery technician at VCA Rock Creek. And Deborah, I'm a senior accountant. So all of you have regular jobs. Yes. And you could get a call at any time of the day or night yep. from the sheriff's department. Yep, 365, 24-7. Because they generally will call Russ first. Mm-hmm. They call Russ for the contact. Russ and then he calls out, me. Then he calls And he calls you. me and says, hey, can you get a team together for this? So what's a team? How, what's the, obviously, depends. the team varies. But so it's if, a, it's a communication call. Like we're just doing like uh, communications at Mount Hood for a fallen climber. I maybe need three to five people in my rig to run communications. Um, we basically log all the radio traffic that's being done. We dispatch the teams in the field. We dispatch back into town. So um, you we, call around to how many How many people? I don't call around. I have this magic where I can just send one text message, and everybody in our group gets oh, an email okay. and a text message. And then we have a, an online app that we can use that they can say, I'm going, I'm not going, I'm going later. I assemble a team, and then I post that so everybody knows who's going. How long does that typically take? 
to happen once you send to get that a team together yeah. and on scene um i i can page it out within five minutes of getting the call and we might have a team within an hour wow. or less depends on the call so if it's, a, a, if, it's a, if it's a tracking and trailing team that and it's a city search, we can be, she'll have a team in 10 minutes. And so you just take off, leave your house, leave whatever you're doing, and yep. you go. Yep. yep. So a lot and of times we like to say we have your go bag, either by the car, in the car, or like these guys, they might have to go home and get their dog and stuff and then go. Because lots of times we've had a few team members, rigs have been broken into and their stuff has been stolen. Which is horrible, you know. I think we're volunteers, and just recently we had one of our teammates uh, had her bike, her mountain bike, got stolen, and she uses that to do um, medical coverage for a lot of the 5K runs because we're like totally nonprofit. Did and Clara so, find it? The bike? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we didn't try though. <laughs> but we find people, not objects, either. So. Okay, so you have people that are probably focused mostly on communication and yeah that was our bread and butter when we first started and then like I said it was a natural progression to bring the four-wheel drive team on in 2008 because um, Steve so and I belong to a Jeep club called the all right, whoa, 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 whoa. so you say four-wheel drive team what's so let's say, I mean, say lots of people have four-wheel drives well they actually know how to drive in rugged conditions in the snow do they have the do, repeaters and yes inside? we have a little oh, okay. portable one that all we can right. set up so it's a little different so well some of them have them built in the rigs and then if they don't have it built in the rig we have a little basically think of like a fishing tackle box so scott came in a four-wheel drive yep, yep. And, and and we get requests all of us, from all all of us yeah. all how is how is he as a driver <laughs> i mean in. just you don't have to I mean, don't shy away I'm from his going, feelings. Just I'm not going in real deep woods. Tell it as it is. But I mean, how is he as a driver? County Emergency Management will call us in the winter time and ask, can you get key employees to work? So Scott and Becky and James, all these guys have actually driven key employees, maybe the nurses or dispatchers, or we actually have an agreement uh, with one of the hospitals to get their doctors to the hospital in inclement weather. But that's in town, and that's, you know, we're kind of on standby for that when we have a snow issue, I guess you could say. But I'm talking about in the, you know, wintertime, somebody's following their GPS on a road they shouldn't end up in the winter, and, and they get stuck. Or they go out there by themselves, and they get stuck. So our four, we, we rescue people, not vehicles. And so our four-wheel drive team will get called, and they'll go out there, and they'll safely excavate the vehicle because they know how. They have winches. They have the capability. But if we can't, we leave this the, so the car and we just take. The what's car. the best story of somebody say you got to take my car? <laughs> you got a story, and are, are they just happy to go? <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't press you and say, "Would you tow my car?" Oh, out? I think most of them do. Yeah, yeah. most well, of them would like the, their the, the read to... between the lines is, "Hey, Mountain Wave, can you come up the road and check this vehicle?" And that's their safety way of saying. Hey, come pull them out. We're not. We can't pull them out. We don't know that we can safely pull them out. But if you can, will you please? Because if you don't, he's going to come back up here with his mommy tomorrow, and probably cause us more trouble later. And so, when you get there, do they show you their AAA card or not? No. No. Okay. We do have a waiver that we did create that we can have them sign. Okay. So whatever, you have four wheel drive. Are the four wheel drive also canine people? Some of them are. Some mm -hmm. of them are. Yep. Okay. And it's then we started with the, the K-9 team in 2014. 
Scott's the one that started it. He joined Mountain Wave as a dual <laughs> member before that. And then Becky came on in March of 2014. You started a K-19? No, no, no. He was up with another K-19. Oh, so he okay. was another, with another SAR team locally here. But okay. we, Mountain Wave gets tons and tons of calls, at least 100 a year on average. Okay. And so he decided he wanted a little bit more play time doing search and rescue. So he was both, <laughs> both, both that team and our Playtime. team. He was bored. And, um, yeah. And so that's what started it. And then Becky ended up and then a couple other people from that team came over and we basically had an instant K-9 team overnight with 25 plus years of experience. Okay. So let's talk about the three dogs here today. We've got Scooch, who is air sent. Yep. And Brian, I talked with you a little bit. Uh, of course, you do this on the side, and you said that it took a couple years to train him. Yeah, two years to get him up to where he could certify as a air scent dog. And describe for me the process that you went through from the very beginning that you told me a little bit about before. Yeah, so for an air scent dog, the first thing that you do, first of all, it's a big game for them. It's playtime. So this isn't... Uh, grueling for them it's uh, training is fun for them all right before we can you do can any dog do this or uh a lot of dogs can do this uh given the training i wouldn't necessarily say all dogs do you pick specific breeds that are more there are those that are more uh capable or more can you adaptable do a chihuahua to no probably not they have to be big enough to be able to handle the train okay they right. have to be uh, athletic enough to, to have endurance to be able to go out okay. and spend 12 hours out in the rumbling field. through the bushes. But you could, I mean, I don't want to discriminate against chihuahuas because we have a lot of chihuahuas here. I mean, essentially, if you had a pack for a chihuahua on your back, you could train that dog to maybe bark and steer you. No. 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 Wouldn't work? I, I no. wouldn't think Certain so. dogs have All right, better so noses. So we can't yeah. do chihuahuas. Part All of right. it is, is you need a dog that has the drive and, and is able to stay focused on the job for that long. Um, okay. So you said that you began with him at a very young age mm-hmm. and he would go after, you would have him chase something? Yeah. So he's an Australian Shepherd. Lots of energy and, and very trainable, uh, typically that breed. And so his first step is to just learn to chase somebody. So we'll have somebody take his favorite toy and run off for a little distance. He goes chasing after him, gets his reward when he gets there, big party. It's the greatest, funnest thing ever. And after he gets to where he does that reliably, then you have him start coming back to the handler after he runs to the person. Come back to the handler for his reward. You get him to where they're doing that well, and then he has to come back to the handler and give an alert to say, hey, I found somebody before he gets his reward. Oh. Once he's doing that well, then you make him take you back to the subject step and get his reward. The and then you start lengthening those out. You start doing it where he doesn't see them run away. You do it in the woods where people are really hiding, and you just work it out until they're able to work for four, five, six hours at a time. Is he smelling He's smelling body odors, probably, most likely? Yeah, because you're yep. walking around and you're dropping spores off yeah. of your body yep. right now. So your scent is both lofting up because of convection off of your body and out due to the breeze uh-huh. and he can detect that and when he detects that and hits that scent he'll turn into it and follow it into the to the person responsible wouldn't when it be horrible if humans had the scent of <laughs> it would be dogs. horrible it's like oh my god somebody's coming in and i i can't i wish they wouldn't come <laughs> it would, it would be horrible. Come again. It would be horrible if we could see that scent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you said the certification for the air scent dogs is over 
How many acres? We're given 120 acres of woods and have four hours to find a subject in it. And then we also do a nighttime one as well. I'll bet you this is about 120 acres out there. Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't know. I didn't I think it was think that big. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty small. It's like more like a one acre. <laughs> <laughs> Two acres. Oh, 120 acres. It's pretty good size. Yeah. So, okay. And so that's Air Scent. Mm-hmm. And Scott, you have? I have Nexus. A cadaver dog. A cadaver dog. Yellow Human lab. remains detection is the Human point. remains detection. <laughs> and how do you train a dog for cadaver work? So we have um, human scent. So we use uh, human tissue, placenta, and that's what we use for training aids. So we just we get a lady that, lady that got her knee replaced and she gave us her knee. So they have that. Yep. Yep. We have different human bones that we've bought in different places. Um, Isn't that a scary thought? Blood, <laughs> teeth. Um, and then you just get them used to it, and they go up to the... You bring them into wherever the source is. And is there like a set number of scents from the human body that you train on, or are they are relatively close um, to each other? There are probably around eight or ten different scents of the human body, just in terms of the level of decomp. Right. And, and we train on all of those. And how long did it take for Nexus? Nexus took about a year to get him up and running. And Nexus running. is a yellow... Yellow lab. Yellow lab. Yep. And I talked to you once about a dog that I read about in, I think it was England, that could go out on a boat Yep. and pick up yep. the scent. Through the water. 40 feet of water and under 4 yep. feet of mud. Boat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I had a dog. My first search dog, Lopez, was a water certified dog, and he would stand on the bow of the boat, and we would direct the boat wherever he was coming into scent, and we would be able to pinpoint within a few feet. Wow. Of where the strongest scent was that was coming out of the water. Have you uh, heard of the uh, orca poop dog? <laughs> you you have. Yep. I got him on my, he works for the uh, Washington, uh, uni, one of the universities, oh. he's a canine car, okay, he smells orca unit, poop on yeah. the water. Yep. Yeah, they, they brought up the number of scat that they would find from like And they one. collect it and, and analyze it and see I how the whales are I heard he was number doing. one in the number two business. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so... Is Nexus going to do a demonstration for us today? Um, we could do a not so much a human remains detection problem, but he you got can, a bottle. He or can something. find. No, I didn't oh. actually bring oh, okay. any of that, but um, he can find a person in but the library. Scooch is going to find me or somebody in the woods. Yep. Okay, and then and then Mackenzie, you told mm-hmm. me that you're starting. You're just starting to train a new dog. Yeah, I'm just starting to train a, a puppy. She's been in training officially a year now on the 21st of July. For air scent. For air scent, yep. And so you haven't been doing this before? No, so this is actually my first dog. I joined the team in 2017 to get my certifications done. And then after I finished that, I went ahead and got you my dog. for what? The communications part? Uh, so for... for handlers that go out into the woods um, we need to have our type 2 certification and you know be able to prove that we know what we're doing out there before we actually go out on missions and so that takes about a year of training and so I decided that I wanted to do that first before I got a dog because it's a lot of training to try to get all of that learning in yourself and try to train your dog at the same time 
And so I finished out that certification and then I went and got my dog. And so she's been in training for about a year now. I've been with Mountain Wave for about two years. And she's probably about... So is Mountain Wave like one of those rare charities that has enough volunteers? No. Never. No. Never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always need more. I'm not closing membership until I can fill a weekday mission for three to five people. Yeah. On a weekday. Because okay. we all, most of us work nine to five, Monday through Friday. So we have to take work and off. And te- we take either vacation days. We say, okay, I'll come out at four or, you know, whatever it is. Or, you know, depending on the urgency, if it's a missing kid, everybody on this team will do what they can to drop what they're doing to go help the kid or a lost kid. Or an elderly missing person. That that's kind of a given. We do that all the time. Where, I mean, I hate you know it is true. I mean, if it's a missing kid, all of us will drop what we're doing. We'll yep. go yep. Um, if you possibly can. But there's just something you just cannot get out. And you know, if if I only have one or two people to go on a mission, I, I don't have enough people on the team. And he's, you know, there's like I said, there's plenty of people in the group right now, and there's probably 30, 30, 30 of us that do most of the work. But that's pretty different for most volunteer organizations. But even if somebody can be on our team and do one thing, and they come to the team knowing that, um, I'm totally fine if that's all. If they can contribute, that's that's good enough for me because that's one less thing that I have to do, or they have to do. Do you tend to uh, like to have people that are reliable, or people that will well, tell people, you I can do it, and then they don't show up? Well, those people will flake out pretty quickly. I mean, in any search and rescue team, you're going to find that, that if they're not really serious about it, they don't last. That's why we have a year you process that you're, we have a year process that you're probationary member for our team for a year. So if you don't make it in that year, then it's, you know. So you prefer you, the reliable people. Yes. And the people who do this tend to be more A-type personalities that are more go-getters that are, are more independent and, um. The people on our team, most of the people have been on the team for a long time, know what's involved in it and and understand that the reason why we do do this is so that we can save somebody's life or bring closure to a family. I mean, I can't say that enough. That's what we do. I mean, we got one little dude right now that, that, that Clara helped give us direction on and then her other dog, Ava, found him. And had we not found him, he would have died. And just last month, we got to meet him. And of course, he's like four now, and he doesn't remember any of it. But um, that was totally cool with the grandma hugging on us and crying and said, you know, he would have died without you. That's what, why we do this. What year was that 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 toddler was Two found? years ago, February. And how old was the child at the time? He was two. 18, 18 months, two years yeah. old. Just, but and found in a diaper. In, that was yeah. here in Portland. A diaper yeah. and a T-shirt in February. And they figured he'd probably been out since 1130 the night before. And we got called, I think, at 6 in the morning. Yeah. And by the time she got there with her dogs, whatever, there was probably 30 Portland police or officers more. and cars. Yeah. And the area had been searched. So the parent didn't realize that the toddler had no. left the home, nope. crawled out. Nope. She woke up and he wasn't in bed with her. And I'm assuming because he was found behind like a little mom and pop grocery store. But he'd probably gone to that grocery store with his parents, walked there. And maybe he was thinking he could go get a treater. I'm, that's in my head of what he was at that age thinking, I'm going to go to the store because... I want something, you know, and well, you get candy there. And he was tangled yeah. up in blackberries, and I mean, they thought wow. he was dead when they first found him. And when he, you know, he wasn't, it was like, whew. But that, I mean, for us, I mean, we get we get updates. You know, he's his first swimming lesson. He started preschool and stuff like that. That's really rare for a search and rescue team to get follow up on anything because last times after we find the person, we don't hear any more about what happened. Very rarely do we hear any follow up. 
occasionally one of them or the family member will make a donation to Mountain Wave um, for our time. But for the most part, we don't do this for the fame and glory of it. It's just that. I mean, we saved that kid's life. I remember we did a Multnomah Falls cleanup every springtime. All the SAR teams set up SAR booths at Multnomah Falls. And we send teams in the field and they pick up trash. Portland Mountain Rescue does some pretty cool rappelling, and PNW I think does too some. And they pick up trash where you can't get just off the trail. And these kids that were like all fancy dressed for prom, and they come up and they say, So there's no 401k? <laughs> and I said, No. And he said, Well, why do you do it? And I said, Well, have you ever helped save somebody's life? And they said, No. I said, Well, I, I can. I've probably been involved in my SAR career with thousands of missions, and I'm not, you know, I've been with Mountain Waves officially since 2008. And if you add at least 100 missions on that, right, a year, for 11 years that I've been with Mountain Wave, and then I was with the other team for three years in the early 90s, I literally have been on thousands of missions. And I might not be physically going out there stomping through the woods and dragging people out, but I'm making it so that the people who are doing that have communications back into space and they have communications back into town that I'm texting them, have you made it home? Are you okay? Are you okay to drive home after being out in the field for 10 hours? That's me. That's me checking on my people because I want to make sure that they all make it home safe. Um, but that's that's what we all care about each other. We have a, a, a peer support team that's on our too that Becky and I are part of um, along with half a dozen other members in our team. So if there's internally stuff going on with a family member or somebody has a car problem, somebody has a house problem, I mean, you know, had gave one of our new members some car seats where our, our chaplain went over there and helped install car seats in his car or whatever it is. I mean, this this is my second family. Right. You know, and I mean, how many people can you say, I have 80 people, I can do one text message and get 80 people to help me. If I was ended up in the hospital, a car accident or something, I have my whole family. Right. So, Becky, you had Ava and Clara. Yes. Mm-hmm. Three years ago. Yes. So you got the call at what time? Uh, about 6 o'clock in the morning. 6 in the morning, and you left I almost immediately. woke up, yep, woke up. Probably called work and said, there's a missing two-year-old? Well, it happened to be on Saturday, oh, okay. um, which was a good thing. Um, I had uh, my son, who's in the military, was home on leave, and we had planned this whole day. Um, and I called him and said, uh, well, plans have been changed. <laughs> I have to go on a mission. Um, hopefully it won't take long. I'll come see you later um, type of a deal. And I arrived at base probably shortly before 8 a.m. And you started with? I started with Clara. Because that was the dog that they called for so originally. So Clara's the scent specific. tracker? Yeah, she's a bloodhound. And so what did the family give you? Um, well, the family um, really doesn't have any involvement in what they give me. Oh, okay. So uh, usually I have a deputy or a law enforcement officer that takes me into the home um, and I'm shown to an area in the home that the family knows that so what did you do the for this child instance? or whoever. Um, I went into the bedroom and I collected a scent article from um, the child. Um, I also collected scent articles actually from um, mom and dad and the boyfriend. Um, so, so how long does it take for Clara to kind of like in, memorize this scent? 
instantaneously she, and she barely has to get a whiff she could come up you could get out of that chair right now and go in there and I could send her off of where you sat Whoa. and then okay. she'd find you door handles on cars is another thing we do I do door handles I do so you gave wheels. her the scent and what did Clara start doing just um well we started from inside the house because I needed to know sure there's two do. doors in that house and so I needed to know um if the little boy had gone out the door. Oftentimes when we have children, they're actually hiding somewhere in the house. Um, and if he had been in the house, we needed to find him in the house. Right. And so we started in the house, um, and she took me right out the front door and around the block. So, Right out the front door and around the block. Yep, and then she got into, she got wrapped up into all of their police cars and the 60 officers that were standing around and um, all the commotion that was going on. Um, a lot of times, law enforcement will continue to run their vehicles. And it was cold, it was February. It was February, and they had their big diesel command bus that was literally sent sitting, parked, running right on top of her trail. And that kills odor. So she um, she got basically to within probably I want to say less than a hundred feet of river before she could no longer keep the trail. Okay. Um, and she she just she doesn't ever give up. How long did that take? Forty-five minutes. Okay. I think maybe forty-five minutes. Was it that long? Maybe not even that I long. I um, so then at that point... Well, at that point, they asked me to run the trails on mom and dad and um, uh, the boyfriend because they just wanted to see if there were any trails from them that led out from the house. Right. Um, so that took a little bit more time for her to do because she had to distinguish between each of the scents now that we were asking her to scent from and they all smell alike because families all smell alike it's what we call familiar scent so unless a dog has been trained to do that they have a hard time picking out these two we train with these two all the time since they're mother sister so we'll have them standing or mother daughter sorry they look like sisters now um and we'll have clara pick out the right one so um, it, it takes a lot of training to have a dog pick out just the minute details between family members. So you got that resolved, but at some point Ava took over. Right. So after we got done and we, um, of course, what time we did didn't Ava have a bo- body. Um, probably around 11 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, about 11 o'clock. So we spent three hours working Clara, um, so to speak. And then we met with a deputy and... Um, we decided, because Scott had Nexus there, um, that we would just conquer and divide the neighborhood, and he would take a section of the neighborhood, and I would take a section in the neighborhood, and we would just start looking in backyards and dumpsters and all kinds of things. And but Nexus was be looking for a dead child. No, he has been, tra- been no? training Airsen as well, so he's, oh, okay. he's not certified in Airsen, okay. but he is familiar. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So and and. Whether they're deceased or not, a cadaver dog is still an air scent dog. It's nope. the same concept. Okay. Um, it's nope. human odor that comes in on the wind. And so nope. he still looks for the same kinds of things. So, But what's confusing here is that an air scent dog is picking up lots of people. Yes. And that's where um, a dog who is ex- really, really experienced and has worked scenarios similar, like Ava, comes into play. Um, 
Ava has been was doing it by the time she found River had been doing it for nine years, um, and all of our dogs as they progress in air scent, they learn that people standing there, like if you were to just stand over there, my dog wouldn't think you were lost. She would just ignore you and try to find the odor that she can't see. So they kind of discriminate, but yet they're not being given a scent article to discriminate gifts. Right. So they're looking the for... The of humans. Yeah. So, so they're looking for that trail. odor. Clara got you to within around 100 feet. Ava takes over, and how long did it take? About 45 minutes, because and I went ahead and we went ahead and followed Clara's path, the path that Clara took. And so we were checking all of the backyards that were along that path. Um, we were checking uh, doorways. We were checking dumpsters. We were checking this green space that went along the max tracks. Um, and then we finally got up to the road that she had um, stopped on, and Ava just dove in. So um, I can remember the news video from the chopper the helicopter yeah and yeah. i work ava when we're it's in that incredible. type of an environment she works on a big long line just like clara so she worked um so the child may have been out in the cold for almost 12 hours at that definitely point, i think yeah and was was very very hypothermic clothing did the... he had a diaper on and a t-shirt but the t-shirt was kind of off wow. it was barely on um his body core temperature was 90 degrees Um, So he would not have made it out there very much longer. He was in the shivering phase, so his body was trying to cope um, with the cold, but it was getting close for him. Great job, man. (laughs) That's freaking awesome. That's the the one in the the million calls that we all... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's why you do it. That's why I do it. And Grandma is um, nice enough to keep us... Informed, uh, for, informed every month on the anniversary date, I get oh, a picture wow. of River. So, yeah. and Deborah, you have, you have a dog. I do not have a dog. You do not have a dog. That does search and rescue. That does, <laughs> yeah. That, I do not have a dog that does search and rescue. I have other dogs. But, but you have a daughter that's training a dog. I do, and she's the one that got me in this. And uh, oh, for about a year. You got her yeah. into it. Okay. <laughs> she started, and then a year later, she so she's Mountain Wave 189. She's Mountain Wave 200. Yep. Oh, you got numbers for yep. all your volunteers? Uh-huh. She knows one every one of them. I'm the only yeah. one. <laughs> what number are you? 31. You're 31. Who Who was Russ's? He's eight. Is number eight. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. 146, 109. Yeah, and so you've been with them for a little over a year. A year, and you do? I'm a board member, and I'm canine support, and I'm in charge of the fundraising. Okay, cool. Oh, so that's so that's why you emailed me. (laughs) I was that's why I was talking to you. So yeah. All right. Well, cool. Hey, well, guys, thank you. Is there well? Is there anything else that? you want to say or talk about or you got any great memories of things or volunteer stories or anything that sticks out in your head for you know special moments well i guess i mean finding river you can't top that probably one of the funniest ones was um yeah this is a good one so we get a call to do communications for some missing people on mount hood and we start getting up gearing up and then we're on the way up there and we get a cancel from the deputy who called us 
And we go, okay, you know, that happens sometimes, you know, but we'd rather get called early and turn around than be late to the game, so to speak. And then he just texted Russ, he goes, you will not believe this. And, okay. So later on, he gets a text message of a picture of these two guys in the first aid booth of the ski patrol watch. And they're wearing full fur suits. One was dressed as a fox and one was dressed as a wolf. And they wanted to go climb Mount Hood. And they'd made a snow cave and were in their smoking pot and listening to their iTunes or whatever it was. And Russ, the president of our group, had just done cell phone tracking for that mission because they called the comms part off because they were inbounds. And so the ski patrol, we give them the GPS and the ski patrols, we don't, they're not here. We're right here. Boom. They fall into the snow cave and find these two guys <laughs> dressed as animals. And then as they're trying to get them back down the hill, they're crawling on all fours, howling at the moon. And, and they didn't want to come back. But yeah, it, it, that was hilarious. You know, so we get this picture. And at the next... I take it was more than marijuana. I don't know. But basically, the Mountain Wave is part of the regional Mount Hood Star Council, which is all the volunteer teams in Northwest Oregon and all the sheriff's offices. And we get together once a month to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of a surge. And one of the guys went on this dissertation about the furry lifestyle, which was hilarious. <laughs> but nobody, I mean, even to this day, I get people say, do you have that picture? Do you have that picture? And I said, yeah, and I'll we'll send them the picture, whatever. But yeah, that, that was that was a funny one. All right, cool. Well, we're going to end this because we're going to have a demonstration. Woohoo! We're going to, somebody's going to walk through the parking lot and we're going to watch Get lost. Clara follow the scent and then we're going to use Scooch to find somebody in the woods. I want to thank you all for coming. Thank you so much. Really trying to build something here with Fido's to where we celebrate uh, charities, make charities the entertainment. So uh, I want to thank you all for thank coming. You. And thank I want you. to thank everybody thank else here for coming too to come and support he's Fido's. With and, he's with and, oh, he's part of the ground team too. <laughs> no, no, with a different team. Oh, okay. Oh, okay we all support cool. each other. We yeah. all support all right. each other. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. This was a really special day, and we hope you can support Mountain Wave here at Fido's the next time they visit. If you'd like to learn more about Mountain Wave search and rescue, perhaps donate or volunteer to become part of this very special charity, you can do this, plus see the pictures and biographies of the handlers and their canines at mwave.org mwave.org or visit them on Facebook, Instagram Mountain Wave Search and Rescue This podcast is a production of Fido, the world's first dog tap house For more information, visit us at ilovefidos.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Fido's Tap House.